Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim Harris will lead us through the interpretation and application of Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. The Pharisees, again, the religious elites of the time, were dogging the steps of Jesus and the disciples to find some fault that they could use to discredit Jesus in front of the people. They didn't like it that he was so popular. They saw their positions threatened by it. And it didn't help that every time they tried to embarrass Jesus, it backfired on them. Well, do you know any modern-day Pharisees? People who are so self-righteous that they spend their time watching and judging and correcting others with annoying little nitpicky things that really don't matter? Learn how Jesus once again highlights the hypocrisy of Pharisees and what we should take from his lesson here is today's slice of the message entitled, The Sabbath Was Made for Man. Now, there are variations on those four, changing the meaning, ignoring the context, adding or taking away from Scripture. But that's the essence of what we mean by how to twist Scripture. Now, what is the Sabbath all about? Well, Sabbath means seventh. Um, some believe it comes from a root that means to cease uh, the essence of the teaching on the Sabbath is not complicated. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. God said, do your work in six days and take a day off for rest, for worship every Saturday. That's the Sabbath. That's all there is to it. It was, however, one of the most vivid areas of legalism and scripture twisting at the hands of the Pharisees. It was their once a week opportunity to keep people in spiritual bondage. Now, God is the one who authored the Sabbath. He created the universe in six days, and then He rested from His work of creation on the seventh day. Read all about it, Genesis 1 and 2. And then, in the midst of the Ten Commandments, He gave the fourth commandment, Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day, in other words, don't forget this, to keep it holy. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart. You should have one day a week. The seventh day of the week should be different from the other ones. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Is that hard to understand? Pretty straightforward. Take Saturday off. All right? It's dedicated to the Lord. So the implication, worship, rest, be with your family, focus on Scripture, uh, however you might you might choose to do it. Um, and by the way, uh, for those of you that might still have any doubts about six-day creation, um, if those days aren't literal days, the fourth commandment is utterly meaningless. You don't get a day off until millennia from now. 
unless those are really days. And they're days, morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Okay, not complicated. But the rabbis added regulations on top of regulations. And by the time of Jesus, the Sabbath had become not a wonderful, gracious gift from God. It had been turned into an incredible burden and duty instead of joy and rest. By the way, this is exactly the kind of thing that Jesus had in mind when he gave his wonderful salvation invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. What was he talking about being weary of? What was he talking about uh, was this great burden that you had on you? It was the laws that had been added to the Scriptures. It's no accident that if you look in Matthew's Gospel, which is aimed primarily at Jews, he puts this incident that we're going to study today right after that invitation. Come to me, who are all you who are weary and, and heavy laden. In dealing with the Sabbath, the Jews of Jesus' day felt probably the heaviest of the burdens of all the things that the Pharisees um, attached to the law of God. It, it, it's like this. You know, we're, we're sitting here. We can look out a window. There's a balcony there. We're, we're, we, we don't want anybody to go over the edge of the balcony, right? Uh, we don't want to lose any kids to being blots at the bottom of, the, of that over there. So, uh, you know what? There, there's a parapet around there. There's a fence to keep you from falling over. Okay? That, that would be like God providing a law to keep you, keep you safe, keep you within bounds. So the thinking of the legalist is, we don't want kids to fall over that. We don't want adults to fall over that. So we'll put up a parapet. But we'll also put up a fence this side of the parapet so you can't get to the parapet to be close to the possibility of maybe slipping and falling over. And we're going to put up signs on this side of the fence. And we're going to put a moat on this side of the, of the signs before the fence, before the parapet, before the edge. Oh, and by the way, don't go anywhere near that sign over there. That's the idea. You can say it's well-intended, but it becomes absolutely absurd. How absurd? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You need some background to understand what's going on here. Uh, there is a connection of writing call, writings called the, the Talmud. It was actually assembled after Christ, but it contains all of the, the writings and the opinions and the commentaries of rabbis for, for centuries. And one section of the Talmud has 24 chapters listing Sabbath laws. 24 chapters telling you how to take a day off. It got way beyond a day off. Uh, uh, let me give you some of these things that are included there. And by the way, none of these are even remotely in the Bible. Here are some of the things they said. The basic limit for travel on the Sabbath was 3,000 feet from one's house. But various exceptions were provided. If you had placed some food within 3,000 feet of your house, you could go there to eat it. And because the food was considered an extension of the house, you could then go another 3,000 feet beyond the food. You could take a rope and place it across an adjoining street or alley 
to the bu- from your house to the building on the other side, and then that would also be considered an extension of your house. How silly is that? Oh, and by the way, you could also run around in your house all you wanted to, apparently, according to their, uh, to their definitions. Now, some said the 3,000 feet. Uh, another way to, to do that, so they would say, okay, well, just, um, just to, let's be real safe. You can't go over 2,000 steps. So they all kept their iPhones in their pockets, and they, and they counted their steps. No, wait a minute. That was a later... Okay, we, we, we won't go there. You see what they were doing? Foul! One step too many. Here's another one. On the Sabbath, a Jew could not carry a load heavier than, are you ready for this, a dried fig. But if an object weighed half that amount, he could carry it twice. You could eat nothing larger than an olive, and even if you tasted half an olive, found it to be rotten, and spit it out, that half was considered to have been eaten as far as the allowance was concerned. So then you can only have half an olive after that. I bet somebody spent all day thinking this one up. Throwing an object into the air with one hand and catching it with the other was prohibited. So, if the Sabbath overtook you as you reached for some food, the food was to be dropped before drawing your arm back, lest you be guilty of carrying a burden. So you'd better make sure you get dinner finished before sundown on Friday, because if that last bit of the sun goes below the horizon... Oh, and what if it's cloudy? And you don't know for sure. Another one. Tailors did not carry a needle with them on the Sabbath for fear that they might be tempted to mend a garment and thereby perform work. Nothing could be bought or sold, and clothing could not be dyed or washed. A letter could not be dispatched, even if by the hand of a Gentile. No fire could be lit or extinguished, including fire for a lamp, although a fire already lit could be used within certain limits. For that reason, some Jews today actually use automatic timers to turn on lights in their homes well before the Sabbath begins. Otherwise, they might forget to turn them on in time and have to spend the night in the dark. Or, God forbid, operate a light switch. That's the modern application of lighting a fire. Baths could not be taken... You say, oh yeah, that would be like work. No, here's the explanation. Baths could not be taken for fear that some of the water might spill onto the floor. And if you wiped it up, you'd be washing the floor, which would be doing work. Here's a practical one. A woman was not to look in a mirror lest she see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out. (laughs) I've gotten over that one. You could carry ink enough to draw only two letters of the alphabet, and, this is bad news, false teeth could not be worn because they exceeded the weight limit for burdens. I should have created an industry of lightweight false teeth that weighed only half a dried fig. So according to these hair-splitting regulations, a Jew could not pull off even a handful of grain to eat on the Sabbath unless he was starving, they said, And that, of course, was often difficult to determine. That would cause a whole bunch of arguments. I mean, you'd have to find out if the guy starves or not. And if he starves, then you'd say, I'm sorry, you could have had some migraine. If a person became ill on the Sabbath, 
you'll love this one. Only enough treatment could be given to him to keep him alive. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.